0: I am joined today by the river legend himself, Mr. Frank Morton. Thank you for coming back to uh, spend some time with me. Glad to, anytime. Well, since we last spoke, sir, I know you've been on a, on a trip to Austria and you've been up to Paducah for a little award ceremony. I'd love to talk about those things today. Uh, which came first, the trip to Austria or the, the presentation?
1: Uh, so we went to uh, Paducah for the uh, waterways counseling meeting and it was followed. Uh, on Thursday, the, December the 8th, by the Riverbell Luncheon, given by Siemens Church Institute. It's a fundraiser done for them. Uh, it's 22nd year that they've done it up there. And uh, Jim Guidry from Kirby was the Riverbell recipient, and I was the recipient of the River Legend. And subsequent on um, the day after that in the morning, I got up real early and flew back to the Gulf Coast. Went to a rehearsal dinner for my nephew who was getting married. The next day they got married. And two days after that, we went to Austria. Stayed for a little more than a week. And it was cold, but beautiful.
0: Tell me more about your trip. I've never traveled internationally.
1: All right. Well, uh, it's a long way. So we went. We flew from Gulfport to Houston, then United uh, into Europe. Uh, we went to Vienna. Spent... Uh, three or four nights, four or five nights there, we um, we got in just just at dusk. So uh, the first night, we just kind of went out on our own and visited a couple of uh, bars and got a pipe to eat and talked to our guide who came and picked us up the next day. We got a tour of the city, an automobile tour of the city, went to the Summer Palace, <clears throat> went to the old city. And um, that night... Um, we ate at a, a Australian Austrian uh, style, but it, it was modern. But but it was Austrian style food, and uh, you know Wiener Schnitzel and all that kind of stuff. That was great. And we went to the Christmas markets, and uh, the next day we uh, walked around and. Went to the ballet that night with the Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra. It was a great ballet called uh, The Girl Who Was Treated Badly, but it was in French, of course. And um, enjoyed that. The following day, we toured the old old city on uh, foot and went to the uh, exercises session of the uh, Lipizzan Stallions at the Spanish Riding Academy, you know, the big white horses that do all the fancy stuff. Then uh, that night, we went to a concert at the Summer Palace. Half the concert was Mozart, the other half was Strauss. There were a bunch of operas that were included in it. They had two opera singers who were fantastic. And they were all about a man and a woman either having a spat, a lover's quarrel, or making up after having a lover's Quarrel and their uh, their facial and body expressions uh, went so well with the theme of it. I just I was really impressed by it. International languages, music—you uh, don't need to know uh, the the words, understand them completely, because particularly with opera, it's so melodramatic, and you know what the basic storyline is to begin with. And uh, then again, the next day we went to a bunch of churches and um, went to the uh, the Old City, which was where the Habsburgs reigned over the Austrian-Hungarian Empire for all that period of time, and the Holy Roman Empire. And then we went to a dinner that night in a vineyard. There's a lot of small vineyards around Vienna, and uh, these people made their own wine, and it was a working farm too, so we may have eaten one of their animals, I don't know. <laughs> but it was very good. We had a great time. Then the next day we got up and took a, a train to uh, Salzburg, and we spent the next couple of days in Salzburg. It was a three-hour train drive. It was gorgeous. We spent the rest of the day walking the old city. So Vienna is a population of about two million. Salzburg is a population of about two hundred thousand, and over twenty percent of those are students. So the uh, the city's divided into three portions: the old city, the new old city, and then the new city. Each representing about one third of the population. So we spent our time. We stayed in the, in the new old city, but we spent our time across the river in the old city, and you know, went to the the fortress, Kolenzoller and fortress over the city, toured the surrounding areas, went for a sleigh ride, had a couple of great meals. Then uh, the last night we were there, we went to uh, Obendorf, which is where the song "Silent Night, Holy Night" was written and, and first performed and we went, so there was a school teacher by the name of Gerber. Uh, he was teaching school in a village three kilometers away and he and the priest, Father Moore were good friends. So we began by going to the school that Gerber taught at which is still a school today, except for the second floor which is a museum to Gerber and, uh, and the song. So we went through all of that and we went to, uh, we went to three kilometers over to uh, Obendorf and went to Silent Night Chapel. And um, it was gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Went to the Christmas markets. A lot of fun. Um, found out the real story about uh, Silent Night, Holy Night. And it a uh, very uplifting, very uplifting story. Anyway, it was a lot of fun. <clears throat> and then we uh, <clears throat> we came back. and So long. We back home also. But seems longer coming than it does going because you're excited going and coming you're exhausted so
0: sure was it just it was, you and your wife
1: no my uh so we were going to do this last year my youngest sister and her husband both turned 60 <clears throat> and they wanted to go to europe do a trip for their uh and their birthdays and they asked me if there was anything that we particularly wanted to do in europe and i said yeah jenny and i want to go to Vienna and Salzburg and go to the chapel, silent not Silent Night Chapel, told them all about what we wanted to do. And they said, that sounds great. So we booked it for last year. And then Austria closed right around Thanksgiving. So they bumped us back to this year. Everything they, they honored all the commitments and everything because we prepaid the trip. It was great. Fantastic.
0: Was that your first time over there?
1: No, no, no. I've been to Europe several times. I spent three weeks in Germany and Austria one time and uh, been to Spain four times. And Timothy, my son lives in the UK. I've been over there about six or eight times. So yeah, I've had had a few trips over yonder. I love Europe. Uh, Spain is really easy. Vienna and Salzburg were so very friendly. Even when I was in Paris, I always hear these bad stories about how arrogant the French are well. I walked the Camino, uh, 500 miles across Spain, and flew into Paris. Went down to the area um, Saint Germain, they call it, where Notre Dame is. This was before it caught on fire. And um, my brother and a good friend of mine, and we met my niece and her husband who were over there. And we decided we just go to a sidewalk cafe and that area of course you know it's a tourist area so you hear these things about how rude the french can be and a guy came up to us and i said you know we don't speak i speak a little bit of french but probably insult you if i try to do it he said that's fine i speak english and i said well we're here for good french wine good cheese and some good meat to just tell us what we ought to have and he did it was a very reasonable price and uh Guy was very knowledgeable. He talked to us and very friendly and good service, and had a great time. And the next day, drove train, went to Bordeaux, changed trains to Saint Jean, Pride de port, which is Saint John's for the pass. That's on the French side of the Pyrenees. The pass being the pass of Ronceval. And uh, next day, started off on our 500 mile journey by foot across Spain to Santiago. So we walked the Camino, had a great time. It took us uh, 15 miles a day, 33 days of walking. and then We took six or eight days for sightseeing and staying in towns of Lextra and things like that. We really enjoyed it. Great when, time. When, when was that? That was
0: 2018. Okay. Yeah, I've never been uh, outside of the country. I've barely been around this country. But... Uh, Tell me what you can about the whole process with this river legend award. Do you up to like from nomination to reception? Well, they have a committee
1: that, uh, that selects these people. I, I don't know what the process is. I don't know if there's a recommendation from the, uh, board at Siemens church Institute or whatever, but there's a river bell committee. Uh, the two, uh, chairman of it was um, uh, Merritt Lane and uh, Darian from uh, president of, of Marquette. And um, they somehow or another came up with uh, Jim Guidry and myself. Uh, it's a fundraiser for uh, Siemens Church Institute. And they say they raised $460,000 this year. So uh, they were very, very pleased with that. And I think that's part of it. But the big reason they had such a big turnout this year is because Waterways Council Inc. was having their meetings there. So you not only have the river people that are interested, but you have these. So uh, Waterways Council Inc. It, it's a coalition, it casts a very big net. There's a lot of ag people in it, there's labor unions involved in it, uh, there's environmental groups involved in it, and all working easily together to try to improve the quality of the Mississippi River and uh, the transportation network. So there were a lot of people in town for this thing. They had a little seminar, they they put on two programs a year. The uh, one in the fall, they elect their officers and that's a educational seminar. And then the one in February or March uh, is visiting the Hill to educate legislators and staff members about the needs and the benefits of the inland waterways, infrastructure primarily.
0: Okay, Now yeah. take me through your uh, your trip up to Paducah and that whole few days or a week or whatever it was when you were prepping to receive the uh, the River Legend designation.
1: Well, I thought about this speech a long time and I knew what I wanted to say and I wasn't didn't know how I was going to say it. I wanted to say it say it short sweet, hopefully it would be very understandable to people what I was trying to say. And knowing that Siemens Church has involved a lot in education and training of Mariners, particularly wheelhouse personnel, they've got their simulators and all that kind of stuff. And I wanted to try to kind of challenge them to look a little deeper into this thing and remind everybody that um, where we wind up with a lot of our people that we have uh you know you, entry-level jobs in all industries have become a problem and and we're not exempt from that so there's been a shortage of deck hands and you had to resist the temptation to hire warm bodies and uh, when you get into fleet work particularly like we do uh, it's incredibly dangerous work i mean the You don't realize the the rapidity of the dangerous or potentially dangerous actions that we do many times in the course of a shift uh, or watch, and you know you think of of, you really can't compare an ocean going deckhand to a river tow boat or tugboat or harbor boat deckhand because the deckhands on the tugboats, the harbor boats, towboats, they are engaged in the duties of the vessel. I mean, everybody advances the duties and the purpose of a vessel, but they're out there laying rigging, um, picking up barges, dropping barges, spotting them at terminals, getting them right alongside a crane, making sure they load them correctly. and. I mean, there's just a just a lot that goes on, and and I think that, in the sense industry, we've been a little remiss and taken for granted all these deckhands, these young people that come aboard, and and some of them don't stay, some of them though develop a passion for the business, and then we say, oh, you can go into the wheelhouse. Well, there's a lot more, a lot more opportunities for one than just the wheelhouse. That's a great right. opportunity. I mean, to to, to denigrate it in any fashion at all. But in the speech, it kind of points out of some of those things. And I just wanted to say that this is important stuff. And these people put their lives on the line for us every day, and we need to step up more, but not only for the moment, but for the future, because, you know, there's a lot of people in this industry who started on the deck particularly in middle, middle and upper management and some of the chief executives we have. And there's stuff that you learn on the deck that you can't learn anywhere else. Right. And and, and it can get, uh, it can become quite personal because it's something you've lived and experienced. Merritt Lane once told me that one of the great things that he joined from decking, he. Uh, but it was great memories. And one of the things gave him a compassion for was safety. I said, really? He said, yeah, when you get slapped in the face with a cheater pipe, you appreciate safety real quick.
0: Sure, sure.
1: So that's uh, in the teamwork that's involved. I made my sons work on the deck, you know. And they said they wanted to be in the business. I said, well, you got to work at least six months on the deck. They worked more than that. But I said, because you get the position where you got to tell somebody to do a job people on a boat, they're out there in inclement weather and you're in an office nice and warm and you give them orders or lay out a work plan form or something like that without consulting with them and just take things for granted. But if you know what is involved when you say, pick up this barge and deliver it to this particular point, the times that are involved, whether or not they're gonna face up, whether they're gonna try to headline and you know, certain times it can, the river you headline, certain times you don't, and you got to be good and you do that stuff. And uh, they need to understand that. So if, if if you're a dispatcher, it's good to spend time on the deck. If you're logistics, uh, other side of logistics, if you're in terminaling, it behooves you to have some knowledge of what is involved when you're asking somebody to do something. And then, of course when you're a port captain or a port engineer or a Marine superintendent, all of those people come up usually through the wheelhouse, but not necessarily. Uh, Mike Breslin, who's works for with AWO now and does their uh, safety work and sustainability and all these other things. He started on the deck with turn Services, came in and dispatch, then um, we needed somebody to help out with personal injury claims and taking care of the guys when they, when they have a personal injury, and we put him into that. And he learned about claims and about the law and contract stuff and all that. And in the course of doing all that, he began to keep track of the training programs, and we always had a training program for the for the pilots, but not for the deckhands, and. We put everybody on. Even I was on when I was president of Turn Services. I was on, the, on the, the roster too, and I had things that I had to do, and you know I had to keep my first aid and CPR. And I was as subject to drug screen as any deckhand or anybody else. And Mike Marshall, Turn instituted a program was when uh, they were going to do a random drug screen. We encouraged them to do it on the crew change, so as you catch the crew leaving and the crew going, that way you get more billets accomplished for Uh, drug screening at one time, but an officer of the company was always there to go on board with the drug screening, the drug sampling people, and they would go up to the uh, master in charge of the watch and say, uh, Captain, uh, we're going to be doing uh, urine samples on everybody for for random drug testing. Uh, Do you want me to go first or are you going to go first? And that was the attitude that we took. It, you're not, we're not exempt just because we're in the office, we've got to do this too. Right. And so let everybody just you just have to assume that, that you're subject to that. And it went to, you know, we did it for barge washers and repair guys too, and, and everyone. We we tried to uh, make sure that we all had faced the same obligations, but we also got the same training to enable us to fulfill those obligations. So anyway, Mike kept going on all that, and then Sub-M starts coming up, and by that time I was no longer president. Mario, that was a good thing when he sees it, and he went to Mike and said, Mike, uh, would you come on and take over Sub-M? So Mike got us all set up to qualify for Sub-M and to be ready when, when, the, uh, when the thing rolled out. And, did a great job at that, and then uh, he was appointed to board captain. And then um, this job became available at, at AWO, and uh, he's uh, he took it, and he's doing a great job, and we're very proud of him. And we've there's a lot of people going have gone from turn services to work for other companies, and they've all had very good, successful careers. And I think that's the, probably the one single thing in this industry that I'm proudest of. Stuff. So I went up there to the, uh, I flew up via Charlotte to Nashville, got a rental car, Jenny went with me, got up there on Tuesday night the 6th, then uh, went to dinner with Z-Dave and Sharon Deloche, and uh, saw a few people downstairs, and had an adult beverage or two, then the next day um, went over to the WCI for a little bit. Uh, tore up my speech, started writing it again. Uh, <laughs> you know, you don't wanna to say too much, you don't wanna to say too little. I thought I was getting a little wordy and preachy, so I tore that thing up and hopefully came up with something a little better. Of course, the eighth for the luncheon, we had the, uh, the luncheon and the presentations uh, to Jim Guidry, the Riverbell, myself for the river legend to uh two vessel crews uh, one from marquette and one from ingram for life saving and then uh mary mccarthy talked about their putting together a new committee i don't know if this is Siemens church or awo or who actually is doing this but trying to document the number of life-saving incidents that happened in a year because there were really a lot more these two were just Uh, involved multiple lives being saved. So um, they got recognition, but trying to put a statistical pattern so we can see what kind of uh, benefit we bring to the general public. One of the crews rescued was from a fishing boat. I think that was three guys. And then another one from a recreational craft. Like I said, you know, the Mariners always help people in distress and we don't really usually give ourselves enough credit for it, but this is going to be a way to kind of pick it up. So that was about it. Uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, it was great. to see a lot of people I had not seen in a long time. It was fun and everyone was kind and gracious and not barking at me. So that was nice.
0: It's always a good start. Yes, sir.
1: Yeah. So anyway, it's a good time.
0: So the night of the ceremony, were you the closer or in the middle or how did they lay that out? In the middle. So okay. it
1: was it was it was a lunch so it was in the afternoon. Okay. So they presented the uh, the awards to the uh boats for life saving. And then they presented the award to me for River Legend, and then they presented the award, the Riverbell Award to Jim Gidry. And everybody got up to a little bit.
0: Are those awards given out for different like what 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 qualifies you for the legend versus the bell, or vice versa. I
1: don't. I don't really know. I can speculate, but I don't know. Um, you know, Kirby is. I mean, Jim Gidry, He's a, he's a legend in the industry. I mean, he served on WETA for so long. He's so active, golfing or coastal canal. Engaged the Coast Guard so much. He's really strong supporter of vessel personnel. I mean, he grew up on a boat. Yeah, he's a great person. He's a good guy. And he's very talented, competent at what he does. So he's their Executive Vice President of Operations for Kirby Inland. And I don't, you know, this is the way I look at it. The way I look at it is they try to get a little diversity and Jim's a bulk liquid guy and I'm a fleet guy. I get you some diversity. And They get somebody who's well-known, Jim's well-known in the industry, and I'm well-known in the industry. By Putting those people together, they hope to get a better draw. This is a fundraiser. They remember that. So they get more people and more sponsors, and because you get enough sponsors to pay for all the food and everything, and then the the tickets for the table are just, that's your profit. I'm I'm from the fleet side. I was chairman of A.W.O. Um, I've had some other industry awards that have been given to me. I know a lot of people. I've been in the business 55 years, you know, and Jim Gendry's a little behind me, maybe in the year range, but two or three years behind me, but he's had a long career also. So that's, that. I think that's the purpose behind picking it. And I think that these guys like the chairman and then there was other, there's other people on those committees. I mean, Matt Woodruff is on there from Kirby, uh, Mary McCarthy was there from Turn Services. Um, I don't remember all the rest of them, but you could you could get a list. But uh, I think that's what they're trying to do. They're, they're, they're trying to raise money for Seamus Church Institute by honoring some people who have been in the business for a while. So if you uh, serve in the industry for 55 years and you grow to be 75 years of age, other people have died off. The universe in which to pick somebody is smaller. <laughs> So I guess that's how I got it. I don't know.
0: I'm sure there's a few reasons. That might be one of them. But uh anyway. If you don't mind, sir, please uh share with me the speech you gave to accept the River Legend Award.
1: Okay. Um I'm gonna put on my cheaters here. So and I'll try to read this thing like I delivered it. Good afternoon. Thank you for attending this event and showing your support for Siemens Church Institute and the work they do for our Mariners, and our industry. It's an honor to be standing here where so many outstanding men and women have stood. It is an honor to be on the same program with Jim Gidry. AWO sponsored a working luncheon in Houston with the captain of the port and his deputy. At the meet, as the meeting wrapped up, the captain of the port asked if there was something anyone wanted to add. Jim Gidry stood up and said, I want to remind the Coast Guard and everyone here that first, Texas became part of the United States not by purchase, nor conquest, nor annexation, but by a treaty between two sovereign nations, the Republic of Texas and the United States of America. Second, that in the state of Texas, the flag of Texas flies at the same height as the flag of the United States. Third, by an act of its state legislature, Texas may, at any time, Divide itself into as many as five states. By now, my jaw dropped open. The captain of the port smiled and said, thank you for bringing that up, Jim. I was afraid we were gonna finish a meeting in Texas without that being said. Mario, introduced me. Mario, thank you for the introduction. After an AWO meeting in 2005, Mario was waiting to be picked up and it was gonna be a while. I asked him if he wanted to go to lunch. He said yes, and we went and got a po' boy. To make conversation, I asked Mario, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing our industry? He said that the people in the office think that what they do is what our industry does for a living. I was not expecting such wisdom from this young man. I instantly became a fan. I used to say I love this industry. Now I say I love the people in this industry. It is the people that make this industry give it its personality. As I was starting term services, my friend Jim Johnson said, what is the worst thing anyone can say about you when you go into business for yourself? I said, I guess that I didn't pay my bills. He said, no. The worst thing anyone can say about you is yes, I worked for Frank Morton and I enjoyed the work, but I had to quit and get another job because I couldn't make enough to take care of my family. If someone works for you and works hard and you don't pay them enough to support their family, Shame on you. If this is true about money, and it is, then it is even more so about keeping that person working for you safe. Our work is dangerous. We owe our people safety. The currency of our lives is every hour and day that we live. We cannot shortchange our teammates. Seaman's Church Institute is a primary source for training our Mariners in efficient and safe methods the vessel operations. Three times in my 55 year career, I've had to tell a parent, a spouse, a sibling, a child that their son, husband, brother, father will never be coming home. It is my fervent desire, my fervent wish and my fervent prayer that none of you ever have to do that. They were all three fleet deckhands. Our work is dangerous. We owe our people safety. We train our licensed mariners a great deal as we should, yet deckhands, the large pool from which our industry pulls all its licensed mariners, most of it's lower and middle management and a lot of it's top management, but not typically exposed to so much formal training. Where does our industry find such people as Mark Canoy, Merritt Lane, Lee Nelson, George Foster, David Lane, Buckley McAllister, Mario Munoz, Z. Dave Deloche, Marty Heddle, Mike Marshall. I could keep this up all afternoon. By the way, yours truly, we all started on the deck. We need to put more training, money, and effort into developing this rich source of talent. I think Siemens Church Institute would be a great resource for this. Entry-level recruitment is an issue for every industry these days, and we, of course, are no exception. Companies, individuals, and industry associations are working on this and have made substantial progress. Aaron Howard with River Works Discoveries, Who Works the Rivers, has exposed thousands of high school students to our industry and some have joined our ranks. This program these programs have accomplished a lot because these high school students who opt for different career paths are at least aware that we exist. As my son say, when you live your life at six miles an hour in a ditch or out of the sight of land, nobody knows what you should do for a living. Aaron's program is expanding to new locations, but is dependent on funding through contributions. AWO has their workforce action plan, which also looks to addressing impediments to entry into our industry at a federal and state level. There is military to marine, local job fairs, and companies doing their own recruiting efforts. In turn, we have Turn Tuesday, almost every week. Things are gradually looking up. After the hire comes orientation, prepping and training. Large companies and even medium sized companies like Turn Services have decent existing programs. Smaller companies are limited in their ability to develop such internal resources. The support the new hires receive from their new crewmates and on the job training in the smaller companies still works as it traditionally has done. We need to do more to help our future. Siemens Church Institute is well positioned to fill this role. Siemens Church Institute, thank you for this honor. I receive it on behalf of the men and women of Turn services and associated terminals. I cannot name all the people who have helped me in my career, but there are some I must name. My immediate family, Jenny, we just celebrated our 52nd wedding anniversary. Frank Jr., Terry, Tim, my brother, Patrick, and his wife, Tammy. My two long-term mentors, Ed Laurendine and Jim Bukey. My entire turn-associated family, especially David Finley, Gary Poirier, Mario Munez, Todd Fuller, Kevin Charlton, Don Lopez, and Brad Chauvin. My long-term friends, Jim Harrington and Z. Dave Deloche. My supportive sounding board industry friends. George Foster, Mark Canoy, Buckley McAllister, Lee Nelson, Sherry Felder, Merritt Lane, Marty Heddle, Peter Steffaich, Ted Tagartha, Mike Marshall, and there are many more. i leave you with these thoughts, which will come in handy when dealing with each other and when dealing with Washington, D.C. First, show up. The late representative Elijah Cummings told me this. He also said if it's a fundraiser, show up with a check. But the most important thing is to show up. Two, you can't lead unless you lead by example. St. Augustine. Okay, it's a paraphrase. Three, it's not the mountain that wears you down, it's the pebble in your shoe. My mother, be the pebble in the shoe of government. Litigation is the most expensive form of conflict resolution short of war, Stephen Merritt. You learn more than from your failures than you ever do from your successes, Buddy Roma. One day, in retrospect, the years of struggle will strike you as the most beautiful, Sigmund Freud. 55 years since I really used my Latin, but quis custodi Ipsos custodes, Juvenal. Who will regulate the regulators? Only you can. Engage them. Express your issues and concerns. In a crisis, number eight, in a crisis or an opportunity, go big and go early. You can't cross a chasm in two small steps. George, Lord George. And last, my favorite, William Shakespeare's Julius Caesar Act. Four, scene three. There is a tide in the affairs of men, which, taken at the flood, leads on to fortune, omitted all the voyage of their life is bound in shallows and miseries. On such a full sea are we now afloat, and we must take the current when it serves or lose our ventures. Thank you for attending this luncheon. Thank you for your support of Siemens Church Institute. Thank you for what you do every day for our industry, our communities, our nation, and the world. Good afternoon. Did you time it? I have no idea. I think it's between eight and ten minutes.
0: I did not time it. I'm not worried about that. I've got nothing but time for you here. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much for sharing. Do you have any uh, closing thoughts to share with uh, any listeners out there?
1: Well, I just hope that I just hope somebody was listening. Um, there's a lot of talent in, it, in that uh, deckhand pool, a lot of talent that you don't see coming. It comes up when when I've had people who come to work for us and uh, they had had issues in their lives and they didn't really know where they belonged and they were just taking a job to kind of get away be on board a boat for a while and not to deal with other people. They found out they liked the people on the boats and enjoyed doing it. They wound up making a career out of it. They wound up getting into different aspects of the industry. They had a tremendous passion for it. You're not gonna it's gonna be hard to find somebody who understands the business. I'm not talking about counting the beans and stuff like that. I'm talking about the nuts and bolts of it, because people is what it all boils down to if you, you've got the greatest technology in the world and you don't have people that are creative and can use it to bring out the best in others uh, you wasted your time and your money so I think that I just hope that that's, people are paying enough attention and say you know he's got a really good point we need to spend more money on our deck deckhands we need to check these guys out we need to find out how much more talent they have what's out there that we don't see had a number of guys that started out on the deck, wound up ashore for one reason or another. And the first thing they did is they went and they got their college degree or they got certified in some professional aspect of their life that they thought would would uh, benefit them. And it did, but because they, they did that and they could talk with other people uh, with confidence and with knowledge it didn't mind speaking up so much. Sometimes people are reticent. Uh, you know, we, we, we often think less of ourselves than others think of us. There's um, also some people think a lot more of themselves, but I don't think that's the normal condition of a human being. I think the normal condition of a human being is we're typically pretty hard on ourselves. Sure. And, um, you know, Robert Burns said, oh, the gift that God would give us to see ourselves as others see us. And have think he meant it both ways. He meant it for those who were egotistical and pompous to come down a notch. But he also meant for those who were trying but felt like they weren't always succeeding, that they need to give themselves a bit of a break. And, you know, for God's, God loves us as he loves his children because we are his children. So oh, the gift that God would give us to see ourselves as others see us, it's a great thing probably got a little too preachy again but anyway i i just think that this is important and i would hate to see people just blow it off and not think there's there's anything to it because we don't we don't train these guys in a fashion that brings out the best of their ability that's what we need to do we need to to train them and Educate them, and pay them, and schedule them, and work with them as best we can. So, when they have our jobs, they'll be doing that for other people. We've got to pass it on down the line, you know.
0: Sure, I do. That's it. Well, I do again. Thank you very much for your time, sir. You said someone had uh,
1: somebody had responded to it well, or they said they. So-
0: had- there was another of my uh, my uh, my guests that was in attendance and was very impressed by your presentation.
1: No, oh, okay, good. Well, I hope You got the good part. Well, and the last thing about you know Shakespeare, of course, what he says basically is seize the day, grab the opportunity, or whatever. The funny thing about it is that's before the Battle of Felipe, and that's Brutus telling. Uh, uh, Cassius that they must attack to meet uh, meet Octavian and, and Mark Anthony on the battlefield at Philippi while they still have the opportunity before they bring all their forces up. And of course, they didn't. They hesitated. And by the time began the battle they were they were all wiped out. So Mark Anthony and Octavian won. So. Right. <laughs> he did he didn't take the the, the full sea when it arrived. On, his, on their voyage, even though he was trying to get Cassius to do it. He, he turned him down, and they wound up costing them their lives.
0: Yeah. So. Well, I appreciate it, sir. All
1: right. Well, thank you, Tim. Take care. Anything I can do, let me know.
0: We'll be in touch, sir. Thanks a lot.
1: All right. Thank
0: you. All right. Bye. Bye.